toward Deuteronomy chapter 30 today. If you want to turn on your device or turn to your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 30. As we conclude this series about a redemptive God meeting us in our broken world, we return once more to the desert. We go back to the desert that we were in last week with the wandering people of God. It is now toward the end of the life of Moses. They are on the edge, they are right on the edge of the banks of the Jordan, and they're getting ready to cross over into the unknown land and this unknown future that's before them. And as they do that, what Moses does is Moses pauses. He pauses because he knows what's at stake. Once they cross over, before them is a land of opportunity and also a land of struggle. He also knows that there's going to be a pull on them from the gods of the regions, alternative voices and stories that will attempt to steer them away from what God intends for them, the life God intends for them. There will even be the temptation to be lured away by the very prosperity of the land itself, to make that their God. So he knows what's at stake, as before them is this very unknown, unpredictable world before them. Now the realities of 2020 for us have certainly reformatted, if you will, the landscape of life and the land ahead of us, perhaps unlike anything behind us. As we reflect back in the rearview mirror of our lives, um, this year has so altered the landscape of life in many respects. And in many ways, we are like these people in the desert. We are standing on an edge. We are, we are on the edge of this unknown future, this unsure future. So I wonder if the word Moses gave to them is a word for us as well today. So this is the word of the Lord for us from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Moses speaking to the people. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of the Lord for us. Thanks be to God for his word. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life so that you might live, so that your children might live, so that you might live. It's an emphatic plea that Moses gives to consider carefully the choices being made that will ultimately define what this human existence will be for these people and what this human existence will be for us. So when we hear this passage, when we read these words, for some of us, they're very familiar words, we think about the choices we have to make, and that's proper. But too often we've reduced this down to just this very individualized form of faith, all built on the choice we're going to make. 
in this passage, if we're not careful, we reduce this down to us just simply fulfilling our own destiny. We ask, you know, is this simply a religious version of the world's idea of self-determination? Of me ultimately just having all the controls? I don't think so. I don't think that's what this is about. Our choices matter. They matter greatly. But are we the only ones to make a choice? And are these people the only ones making a choice here? What if our choices are to be rooted in another choice? The redemptive choice. We are so very much like these ancient Israelites. They're poised between the past and the future that lay ahead of them. Behind them was a world of suffering and hardship and difficulty and pain. As well as in the midst of that wilderness, some pretty poor choices that impacted them negatively. They have constantly, though, in all of this, they've been presented with the choice as whether, whether or not to trust God with their well-being or not. And they struggled with that, like we struggle with that. Remember last week these words from Exodus, is the Lord among us or not? That's the question they asked in their struggle of trust. But also etched in the memory of that past, is the truth that God constantly delivered them and that God was always faithful to them, even when they were faithless. The God who chose for them, hear that, the God who chose for them over and over and over. And in some ways, that past that they have and that future that's before them seem to collide on the banks of the Jordan River. This day I call it, hear what Moses says, I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you. It's like a court of law. That I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you might live, so that you may love God, so that you might hold fast to God. When, when you first read those and you hear Moses saying there's blessings, there's cursings, why don't you choose this good stuff? It almost seems like God through Moses is like coming with this um, carrot and stick approach. You know, the carrot is the blessings, right? But if they just don't want anything to do with that, you better be ready for the stick, which is the curses. But that's not what's happening here. This is not God trying to strong arm a people. But rather, this is the heavens even are being called to witness how good God has been to them. This is about a choice that God has already made for the people. And it's a reminder that he continues to choose for them as they're getting ready to go into this new land. And it's a reminder that points back to the choices he's already made for them. One fundamental choice. Back in Deuteronomy 7 it says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people's, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you. That's God's choice. It's because the Lord loved you. God's choice for the people was the choice of loving them. And his love issues into this invitation 
to flourishing life. Choose life, he says. And that's, that, that's the theme of, of, of Deuteronomy 30. Verse 15, I set before you today life and prosperity. Verse 16, the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering. Verse 19, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. All of this actually is an echo of God's intention all along for all of mankind. When we read the creation narrative and we see God making man in his own image, God says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. What is that about? That's about life. That's about flourishing life. That's about realizing life. That's about realizing the intention of life. From the very beginning of mankind, God has desired to invite man to the joy of life. He he has been generous toward his people, and that is the heart of what's being set before the people. But this is also God's heart towards you and towards me. When we think of a redemptive God meeting us in a broken world, we need to see his posture. A posture that has always been toward us to bring the fullness of life to us. And in Jesus, that remains the same for you and me and all people. He said, I have come that they may have life. And life to the full. Life abundant. I have come that they might have life. God's choice for all mankind is for us to connect to life as he intends in relationship with our creator. It's God's desire for all mankind. That's the redemptive choice. That's what sits behind this offer for us to choose. His constant move towards us. This is grace. God choosing to move towards us with his best for us. The words that awakened my own life at one point were these. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. How does it feel to be the choosee today? The chooser is God. You're the choosy. I'm the choosy. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, so that you may flourish. And that is worth remembering in these days. Now, that does not mean that life with Christ is this guarantee that we are, when we're being good Christians, we're going to get the worldly goods we want, or life's going to just turn out the way we want it to be, or everything's going to turn our way. All we need to do is look at the cross and realize that's, a, that's just not true. That's a myth. But this is a picture of the God who in the midst of life is generous towards us with grace and generous towards us with his love. He is the God who is with us in our deserts with his life. He's the one who desires us to flourish in his grace and his love and his peace and his comfort and his provision and his care in his eternal kind of life right now. And then to choose to be vessels of his flourishing in our world, to go and bear fruit. So in these days when the idea of flourishing 
in the midst of the disruption and uncertainty of our time seems foreign because there's been a lot of folks writing about how there's many people who are not flourishing right now in the days and times we're living in. In the middle of that, God still invites us to life in him. That is still his great desire. In Peter's great sermon in the book of Acts, there's this interesting verse of scripture. And this is what it says in, in Acts 3.25. He says, And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. It's an interesting verse in the middle of this sermon. Sermon about Jesus. And one of the things he's saying is, do you know that, that, that blessing, that, that desire of God back here is still true now? That this God who wanted you to flourish then is the same God who wants you to flourish now. And this translates to life for us as well. And life through us as well. That this God continues to move in our direction. Remember the image of flourishing we had last week from John 7. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And we said that God did not give the children of Israel what they wanted, the way they wanted it, but he gave them what they needed the way he knew they needed it. Because this God is choosing to move toward us and give us life. It's still the same promise through Jesus Christ for you and me and through you and me to our world. So what do we do with God's choice for us? What do we do with it? Well, in this passage in Deuteronomy, it also seems like God is some kind of a killjoy. At least Moses seems to represent him that way at some level. Verse 17 says, But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. No one usually says amen to those words. <laughs> That's not like, yay, all right. Thank you for the word of God. What a great promise. <laughs> you will be destroyed. Oh, great. What is that about in this passage where this God is choosing these people, offering them this great choice of life? You know, God's not interested in taking away from you and me the perceived fun of life. But what this is, is this is a warning to them not to buy into the false story of life that is presented by the gods that they're going to encounter. God knows that that's before them. The scholar Steve Green said it this way, we are always under the threat to forget the story of grace and to enter into counterfeit stories. We're always under the threat to forget the redemptive God, that God is moving towards us, that there's other stories that will tell us a better way to flourish, a different way to flourish, a false story of flourishing that is rooted in the temporal and the self-serving, that's rooted in the grasping and the hoarding, that's rooted in trying to make 
oneself better than another. That's rooted in treating people as utilities versus image bearers. All that. That actually is a false story that takes away from the true story of the grace of God for us in life. And we are presented with that time and time again to pull us away. What he's saying is there's a specific path to this story of the redemptive God and encountering his love. It's a path of love as well. In Deuteronomy it says in verse 15, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands. This is how Jesus put it. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain there. Be aware of this redemptive God near us. If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. See, God has made his choice. His redemptive love toward us. God has made his choice. And that choice for these people back in Deuteronomy changes the tenor of the words for them about command and obedience and all those things. And it changes the words to us. It changes how we actually view the way we live this life because now life becomes a loving response directed toward the God of redemption who loves us. And that's the key to flourishing. Aligning our lives around the truth that the, of the God that is for us. The God that has not forsaken us. And as we live into his choice for us, as we do that, there is this invitation for God to live his life through us, for others in our world, our neighbors around us. You know, how can God direct his flourishing through us to others? It's something we need to ask today. God offers us life for us and life through us. This is how George MacDonald, the Scottish author, said it. God offers us life, but we must choose to live. Hear that. God offers us life, but we must choose to live his life. We must choose to live this flourishing life in this world. We need the flourishing life of God flowing from the people of God in the world today. Amen? Right? Look around the world. Look what's needed. Look what people are crying for. That is your concern. That is my concern. Whatever the issue might be, the loneliness from the pandemic, the concerns on racial divide, the struggle and the strain and the tension and the, and the incivility and the divisiveness, we need the flourishing life of God through us. But the pathway of that is just that. God offers us life, but we must choose to live it. This is a far different thing than choosing to be saved or accepting salvation. This is no matter of mere belief, but a description of how one lives. Hear me now. It's not enough. Don't mishear me, but hear me. It's not enough just to get saved. Don't leave here today and say, Pastor Jeff said you don't have to get saved. Not saying that. 
Jesus is our salvation. But it's not enough just to rest in the laurels of that. We must then choose to live the eternal kind of life that God has given to us that brings flourishing to the world. It's about living, and that is what is at the heart of this passage. It is not about choosing physical life or death. This is making the redemptive choice, if you will, the reciprocal redemptive choice in how we will live. Now choose life, he says, so you and your children may live. And that means living this life out in the human arena. So the language of Deuteronomy 30, we hear words like this, blessing and cursing, obedience and disobedience, worship and God's life and death. This is about living this in the real details of life. What are your real details right now? This is about whom will we choose in the middle of those details. Because it's more than just choosing life as we see it or want it or we hope for it. This is bigger than that. This is choosing God's life. And Moses says this. You need to do this. For the Lord is your life. That's why this matters in 2020. I've wrestled with try, trying to think through what's happening in this passage in the context of my world. As many have struggled to find flourishing in these days. The flourishing life that God promised the children of Israel as they prepared to cross over into the promised land was not defined by the prosperity of the land that they were about to walk into nor the blessings that would be given to them. It was not defined by that. Secondly, this flourishing life would also not be diminished by the hardships and the opposition and the failures they would face and the setbacks that would come their way because there are still plenty of those things ahead of them. Thirdly, this flourishing life was not intended to be for them alone, but for everyone they came in contact with. You know, I guess one of the things I'm saying is that this flourishing life is not circumstantial. And what good news that is for us as we sit in our current circumstances, our new realities, this life is rooted in the heart and the faithfulness of a redemptive God who is for us and just keeps coming, just keeps coming for us, just keeps wanting to bring his life to us. This flourishing life in your life and my life is not based on everything working out in the economy. It's not based on whether the stock market is up or down or in between. It's not based on the election going as one hopes. It's not based on the pandemic coming to an end. It's not based on the circumstances of my life turning in my favor. There are circumstances in my life I would be very happy if God would turn them in my favor. Anybody else? But this life from God isn't based on that. God has turned his face toward us. God is for us. This life is found in our trust in the God of redemption who offers for us to find true life in him. 
for the Lord is your life. So you see, this passage isn't about blessings or curses, rewards and punishments. Rather, this is about a willingness. A willingness to receive and live what God has chosen for us. His life. That's the redemptive choice. That is the choice now, today, tomorrow. A willingness to choose God's desire of life in every area of our lives. A willingness to say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life everywhere. And in that, we discover life. For the Lord is your life. And in the middle of a desert, on the edge of a river, on the edge of a future unknown, filled with plenty and struggle, the offer given to those people is the offer given to us as a people as we stand on the edge. And God says, I am your life. Thanks be to God, it is still true. The redemptive God turns towards us and invites us to choose his life. Amen. As we turn this morning to the Lord's Supper, those of you who are at home gathered and preparing for communion, I invite you to get those elements ready. For those of us in the sanctuary, the prepackaged elements are on your seat. I would invite you to peel back the little cellophane piece. It takes a little time sometimes to do that, so we'll give you a little time to do that. As we turn to the Lord's Supper, we turn as people. We turn in confession of our faith as people through the Lord's Supper who declare that it is in Christ alone where we find our soul's sustenance. Soul in the truest sense of the word being the fullness of who we are as human beings. Flourishing begins, grows, and ends in Jesus. We search for meaning, every one of us. We search and long for peace within us, around our world. We walk into the angst of this world and crying within us from God, this life within us is, O Lord Jesus, in the name of Christ, forbear. And in the name of Christ, bring peace. We seek to find that which will hold us steady. When the storm is raging, we look for life. And as we do, we hear this from Jesus Christ. He said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. They will flourish. I am the bread of life, he said. These simple elements and this table represent the redemptive choice, the ultimate redemptive choice in all of history. 
the ultimate act of self-donation that we can live into the flourishing God desires for us. Jesus gave life, his life given, in order for life to be gained by all who would choose him. As we partake this morning, let us receive these simple gifts in order that we be reminded of his great grace and let us place our trust in him as our soul's sustenance. For the Lord Jesus Christ is our life. May we be nourished and nurtured by this meal, reminding us of the plenty of God in his grace for us, that we may live in this world bringing the plenty of God's grace before us to the world. I invite you to peel back that little cellophane. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he took the bread, he broke and gave thanks to the Father, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us be reminded of what we've been given. He gave his life for us. And let us be thankful. Let us partake. Peel back that foil. Jesus then took the cup and again he gave thanks to the Father. And he gave the cup to his disciples and he said, this is the cup of my new covenant, my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of many. And then he said this, do this in remembrance of me. The life is in the blood and his life has been given that through forgiveness of sins and relationship with God, we find life, eternal life in him. Thanks be to God. As we partake of this cup, let us receive his forgiveness. Let us confess to him our need of a redeemer. And let us ask him to be our life. Let us participate. In a moment, our instrumentalists are going to start playing, um, asking the Spirit to reign over us. And there's one line in that song that says, He changes what I see and what I seek. He changes what I see and what I seek. His love changes what we see matters, what life really is. And it causes us to seek to live life, to truly live life out of his grace and his mercy and his love for us. Wherever you might be today, I hope you leave with this truth. The redemptive God 
is meeting your broken world. It may be personally where there's a place of brokenness and you just need him to meet you. But I also do not want you to be disheartened as you look out at the world. Because the redemptive God is working in our world. He is for us. He brings us life. And he calls us to now reveal that flourishing grace to the world around us. This table reminds us of how to do that. That flourishing life comes at a very expensive cost, doesn't it? The life of God's Son. It teaches us that the pathway for us with this life, the narrative that's so contradictory to the other narratives of the world about life, is to give it away. He has turned towards you and me with his life. Now may we turn towards our world with his life that has been given to us. And may we bring Jesus wherever we find ourselves. My friends, set before you today is life through Jesus Christ. Choose him. And may we now live his life in us for the world to see, for we are not alone. He is with us. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord for us today. May you go in his peace.